Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 63. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, and the episode starts. You know it, Rob, right now. Everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They worked for this weekend and the people that had to work this weekend, they don't earn that buck like a mother, dude. This is episode 63. This is Sports Debate Tuesday along with my man, Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. I am yours truly. This is Jason DeBeas. Got a lot to talk about. Sorry we missed you last week. We're definitely going to catch up on some of that stuff. But the cool thing about last week and this week is though some things are different <laughs> rob some things stay the same right from two weeks ago up to this point beach volleyball teams are still in cancun the best teams in the world still remain in cancun for the second tour um trevor lawrence is still going to go number one kamara uzman and valentina shevchenko are still champs and as of this podcast as of this pre-record the knicks still haven't lost a game the Knicks on a nine-game nine winning streak. So we got to see a ton of great matches from MMA. We got to see a ton of great matches for beach volleyball. Basketball was blowing up this weekend with some marquee matchups. The Nets played, the Suns played, the Knicks played. LeBron's back. But let's go to first things first. Rob, topic number one. The Brooklyn Nets blew the doors off the Phoenix Suns this weekend. Durant scored 33 points in 28 minutes. And Kyrie put up 34 points. And Harden... He just enjoyed the view from the bench. Now, on Saturday, the Knicks blew out the Raptors, I believe, 120 to 103, which is their third consecutive win by double digits, making nine in a row with Randall putting up 30, 31 points. And R.J. Barrett, not too shabby, put up 25 and 12. You like that? I like that. Rob, the question is, you're going to lead this one for me, and I'm going to lead topic two. The question is, who is the, biggest sto- the bigger story in New York City right now? Is it the New York Knicks? Or is it the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely the New York Knicks. Uh, I mean, the only thing that the Brooklyn Nets are a story about are are they going to get healthy? You know, um, when they got Blake Griffin and then LaMarcus Aldridge and then they didn't have LaMarcus Aldridge, all this just ridiculous non-basketball talk, um, you know, they were a big story. But it's just because their potential. You know, James Harden still out with the hamstring. You know, you're barely getting Kyrie on the court whenever he's available. Um, but when you talk about the Knicks, you're talking about real basketball. You know, first of all, finally, we got some lefties in the league again. We got Julius Randle, lefty. We got R.J. Barrett playing like he's a top five pick again, uh, lefty. And then you have, uh, you know, a couple of good pieces around them. They're playing good, tough basketball. All you really need to do and play to play in the league, to be competitive, you know, other than having those great physical traits is to play good defense. <laughs> it's not that hard to be competitive. Like you don't have to win games necessarily yet where they are, but you need to be competitive defensively so that you can bring people in and you can build a team. So they're on the right track. You know, you finally got somebody scoring the basketball on Julius Randle, triple doubles, 30 point triple doubles. Um, you know, I love what the team's doing. Uh, I, I, th- I just think they're a better like more, uh, you know, just a healthy basketball story. You know, when you're talking about the Nets, it's just like absolute chaos. Basically, the Nets are now the Knicks. You know, they were what the Knicks were for the last, you know, 10 years. Just absolute chaos oh, you watch. and craziness. You watch, watch your mouth. Hey, you can say what it is. The Nets have not done anything great in their entire franchise before James J, J- Kidd. Um, and then, you know, other than that, they really are just, hoping that this season brings them championships because if it doesn't right they can compete offensively but if something doesn't go right for them like they break down defensively uh somebody gets hurt and they only got two of the three guys you know they have chances of losing if they don't win a championship it's a failure you know so they're big huge bust or you know make or bust or and then you know the knicks are just a building team and the fact that they're in the news the way they are you know, fantastic. So I'm going to the Knicks. Rob, keep it McLean. McLean. 
do 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 <laughs> Drama makes the world go around. <laughs> Anybody got a problem with that? Thank you, Limp Biscuit, because when it comes to stories, there's nobody that's going to have a story every damn week more than my Brooklyn <laughs> Nets, okay? Kyrie Irving, it's not a matter of if there's going to be some drama. It's a matter of a when or what's his story going to be this week or what the hell is this guy up to next week? James Harden carried the load. Now, now he tagged off to his partner just like WWE tag team partner Kevin Durant comes in puts up 33 points in 28 minutes and before that put up like 25 points in 25 minutes the dude is six foot 11 seven foot six seven foot six wingspan and when that guy shoots he shoots to kill now with that being said they have played to my knowledge they've only played the three of them have so far in all of these games have only played a total of 10 games together and they're still in first and they still have the best record and i agree with you that anything other than the finals appearance if not a finals win against the lakers who are going to be just as prepared is a failure in fact i think them not beating the lakers is a fail right um um but as to the question of what's a bigger story as, as opposed to what's a, a pass or a fail. I go with the Nets, but it doesn't mean that I summarily dismiss the magnificent story, your New York Knicks. Rob, I, I, I call them yours because I, I can't, I jumped off that ship. I can't, you know, right? Yeah, come with that same energy, Jay. Can't jump back on. Your New York Knicks. This is a New York's team, New York Knicks team I envisioned when Amari Stoudemire was putting up 29. And then... Dolan got in the way or someone got in the way because they wanted Carmelo Anthony. And New York is excited about Carmelo Anthony. I, as an avid Knicks fan, was like, no, maybe Carmelo Anthony next year could because what you have right now, what you have right now, leave well enough the hell alone. They're playing defense. I remember um, Woodson, right? Uh, um, Coach Woodson is a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and New York loved Amari because New York loves, they love blue-collar players who put up numbers the more than they love stars that put up play, uh, that plays, right? Why do you think Eli Manning is more revered than Phil Simms? Phil Simms won a Super Bowl where he was 23 for 25, Super Bowl MVP. Eli Manning threw a duck up in the middle of the air that landed on someone's helmet. And, and maybe recency bias has more to do with it, but New York loves people that play defense. It's a D, it's not, the level of Pittsburgh, when we, you know, we're, we're a defense first town, you know, that kind of thing. But they're, they're in that conversation. Who's my favorite team, Rob? I'm, I'm from a different age group. 1994 Knicks, 1993 Knicks, 1999 Knicks. Because those guys made sure the flagrant foul was well earned. <laughs> they made them. Teams like that, New York loves uh, guys that will make you pay for your basket, okay? Because like you said, the last... 15 years it was like everyone was just dunking all right give him the dunk i don't want to foul him and give him the dunk too but no it's you can sometimes you got to send a message thibodeau tom thibodeau got these cats playing defense rj barrett um who's still a relatively new player right second year player you you can coach him like he's still at duke university he's not like they don't have these strong personalities where you have to cater to them more than than you have to cater the ways to win, and that's why they're such an exciting team to watch. So, right? Sometimes you 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 don't you don't really want a team of all stars because when they implode, they implode. You know, which that's is true. why I will, I will say the bigger story is the Nets because the Nets right now, when they have two out of three, it's still enough to be the best team in the East. And when all three are going to play, not not if uh, when all three play, I. I think their chemistry will be instant. I think they have a coaching staff that 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 makes sure they don't they don't get in their way or get in their own way. And I, and I they are my pick to win the finals. So um, we're gonna resurface this question when the playoffs come because both teams look like they're on it. They're in it. And Nick, the Knicks at the fourth spot might even play them the second round. Um, Unless they just keep winning in House of Three, which would be great, because now that may be, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows, right? You got the Heat, who can be spoilers. You got, you, you can't ignore Greek mm. Freak. But a Boston Celtics, still a well-coached team. Philly, 76er start. Fast start, uh, mediocre finish. So um, maybe we have a conversation later on repair on that one. But but for every single reason you said is the Knicks, um, uh, I say the Nets 
plus <laughs> drama makes the world go around. <laughs> it's true. They always and in the news, man. <laughs> honestly, with the Lakers being in the fifth seed right now, I don't even expect them to be, you know, I expect them to be what, maybe third seed by the time the season ends. Um, yeah, but LeBron they're still going to have to face, they're still going to have to face a well-rested, presumably uh, Utah Jazz team. They're still going to have to face, you know, some pretty, some pretty daunting yeah. teams in the, in the West. And also depending on who comes out of the, you yeah. know, the seven to 10 team playoff, you know, well, right now the with Mavericks. the Nuggets, the Nuggets ain't going to beat the Lakers without Murray. Nope. Nope. No. Even with, and I think that's even with be Murray, that's easy, a challenge. Right. And I think that's going to be an easy game in the playoffs, you know, and I don't, you know, depending on what the Lakers get, maybe they luck out and get the Nuggets, you know, in the second round, uh, the Nuggets take their first round team out. But, um, you know, the, the East is, you know, the reason why we don't talk about, you know, the Nets anyway, other than when they put up ridiculous numbers, because the East is boring. You know, when you get to some playoff basketball in the East, it gets more exciting. Um, but that's what I'm saying is I feel like a lot of the players on the Nets, first of all, they're not going to be coached to playing defense. And this is my biggest thing about the Nets is that D'Antoni, first of all, NASA head coach, young head coach, D'Antoni, he always has teams looking amazing in the, in the regular season, amazing. And then it comes playoff time and things slow down just a little bit and people tighten up just a little bit and he cannot adjust and respond. And that's the mentor behind the young head coach at which we're heading for in that, you know, playoff position. So, very, very, uh, I think it's going to be just a really interesting uh, um, idea here that they're creating that what I think they think is that you stick Kevin Durant in the middle of a defense and he's going to be able to, you know, affect shots like he did at Golden State. I just don't see that. You know, I don't see that to the end of the season and then into the playoffs. You know, you get a Joel Embiid banging bodies down low. There is nobody on that team that's stopping him. I'm sorry. It's not DeAndre. It's not KD. And that's not even in the finals. That's in the conference finals. You know what I mean? That's So I think they just have a long road ahead of them. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Isn't it amazing that, we're, that just the East has become a bigger story um, this year? Because the crazy thing is, if you remember the last – pretty much all over to the last decade, you have teams from the, the West who have winning records that are like in the ninth and 10th spot trying to get eight, trying to get to that eight. And then in the East, you got guys who were like four or five games below 500 <laughs> who were the seventh spot. And right now, I think for both, for both conferences, you only have one team uh, in the eighth spot for both. And every other team from seven up is has a winning record or or, or, or better. So um, Spurs on the outside looking in, one of my favorite teams, still well coached. And then, you know, not a lot of power, uh, star players there anymore, but still well coached. And they're in the ninth spot trying to look out. And then the Knicks are fourth, right? Um, the Miami Heat, you know, talk about well-coached teams. Talk about how, like, if you got a, you got a good coaching staff and a good game plan, um, you know, this has always kind of kind of been my volleyball argument when people are talking about taking care of their side of the net. You know, I'm like, okay, good for you. <laughs> that means you're only going to lose to the teams better than you and beat the teams you're better than, or or you, or you could do some real freaking work. You know, mm. although taking care of your side of the net means a lot of stuff off the court too, right? You control your own uh, workout, uh, um, how many sprints you do, stairs, and all that stuff. So, so I get that too. You know, when I had this little debate with John Mayer about that, Coach John Mayer out, out of LMU. So. Um, wow, we're gonna um, we're gonna re-explore the NBA back in quick question, but right now let's go to topic two. <sighs> Rob McLean, what an amazing, an amazing night of fights. Okay, we have a new strawweight champion. All right, Valentino was Valentino, and Camaro kept his word when he said he was gonna finish Jorge Masvidal the first time. For the first time, yes. Um, Masvidal didn't get knocked out since 2008. And, he, and I mean, all telltale signs showed that he was near impossible to knock out. We had a fighter win a fight without actually throwing a strike. That was um, Uriah Hall. <laughs> but, and we're definitely going to talk about that later. But let's start with this. With so much to talk about, with so much spillover in the subject matter, let's start with this. And I'll go first. This is the question. Which title win impressed you the most? Rob, I got to go with Doug Rose. 
and 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 it, with three title fights where a wrestler got housed by a striker, Valentina Shevchenko, where a guy who's impossible to get to get knocked out got knocked out, Jorge Masvidal. I go with the fight that I thought was going to be a drag out, a takedown avoiding five round war that I thought was going to be a five round war with Wiley Zhang and Thug Rose, as Daniel Cormier would say. So I was like, say it with me, Thug Rose, <laughs> Thug Rose. So <clears throat> head kick, knockout. Once again, for the second time, for her second title in 115 pounds, that's the strawweight division. For the second time, she's a champion finishing in the most unlikely way uh, uh, where fans and experts thought she would finish. The first time she did it, she dropped um, Joanna Jonchechek. Joanna Champion twice, and then the second time she dropped her, finished her. And this one was just a, it snuck in. It came in, dude, it wasn't even like a question mark kick. It came in through the armpit. It came in through the armpit and caught her exactly where you needed to get her. You know, almost looked like a flash kick. And, whew, I got to go with Thug Rose. And she's such an emotional person. And just watching the interview with Thug Rose, Joe Rogan said he almost cried. This chick's going to make me cry or whatever. And that's what she does because she's like, hey, come on. Let's 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 use our money and let, let's help the poor. Come on, guys. Let's let's stop hating each other. Let's give each other hugs. I mean, just, just one of those things after someone wins and they say something like that. I'm like... She, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going <laughs> to cry. So in a pay-per-view where top to bottom was already stacked going in, on in a pay-per-view where every single match met our expectation except one which was just grossly, uh, grossly um, um, uh, not predicted. <laughs> and the, the operative word being grossly. Uh, but from the prelims, you know, respect me some Randy Brown, boy. Put some respect on my name. Um, boy, he was mad. We could talk about that later. He looked good But, but for now, there. before we talk about Randy Brown, because I know we, we need we want to highlight other matches. Rob, that's my um, title win or title defense that impressed me the most on Saturday night. Hmm. Yeah, for me, because uh, I think back to it and, uh, you know, when you're – Going down the list, you know, I thought that, like you were saying, Wei, Wei Li and uh, and Rose was my, you know, probably my biggest surprise. I thought they were maybe, it was it was interesting to me that they were the second fight, the second to last fight of the night. Whoa, 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 hold, I, on, I hold, thought, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I just beat you to the punch? No, 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 no. Okay, no. <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I, I just had thought it was interesting to me that that was, a, was the second championship fight as opposed to maybe the first championship fight of the night. Or third. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like where, uh, yeah, I mean that's true too. I mean, wow. but I think Kamara Usman and, and, and Masvidal just got too much press for it not to be 100%. the one. And I still wait for that day where it's a really good, absolutely you know top level talent co-main event with uh, men and women's, um, like a true co-main event. Because I still feel like uh, this was like a, an upper level fight for you know the the welterweight division. You know where there was a lot on the line. And I really didn't hear a lot about Shevchenko and Andrade. Um, I really didn't hear like a lot about, um, you know, Rose and, and, and Wayland. You know, I, I knew that the fights were coming on, but it wasn't really pushed like, uh, you know, let's say like an Amanda Nunez fight. Um, but again, um, when I thought at the fights in the beginning, uh, I knew Usman and, and Masvidal was going to be a great one. And, you know, that's why it came out second to me. But my, my, my biggest surprise, honestly, uh, when I look at it, was Shevchenko and Andrade because I thought that that was such a difference in styles. Um, and, you know, Shevchenko coming down a little bit, Andrade kind of, you know, being in a larger size, but it's still shorter, you know, kind of duck yeah. and dive. She around, was large, you know, large for straw weight, so you knew she, she had a shot. She, and, and, you know, she, she got power. And that's kind of the thing that can, can beat any championship, you know, or any champion is that. Uh, that sneaky power, you know, they come inside, they just, Hey, I'll take your shot, but can you take mine? You know, kind of like a Matt Sarah type of a uh, fighter. And, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of what the fight was going to be, but man, Shevchenko just absolutely, uh, I thought like she, she cut off all her limbs and, you know, she just let, left her there on the, on the mat just to kind of like be there and, and take the victory. Like she just took out all of her tools. It looked like Andrade was kind of just like, what could I do? You know, and then Shevchenko just did her thing. So um, I thought that to me was the the most impressive because I thought it was going to be a much more competitive fight. 
you know, I didn't, I honestly thought that Wei Ling or Wei Li would, uh, would be able to, to, to beat Rose. Um, so that was the biggest surprise for me, but I thought that the most complete victory that night was, uh, was Shevchenko over Andrade. That crucifix, dude. Mm. That crucifix. I had Matt Hughes fight. flashbacks, dude. I had Matt Hughes when Matt Hughes fought BJ Penn, and all you could see was the head, and just it looked like a head severed off of the body, and just someone just pounding on a head for lunch. Yep. That was I've never seen her lumped up like that. And eventually, she, you know, she was taking the punches too well. So Joanna was like, "How about some?" I mean, Valentina was like, "How about some? Anks? How about some elbows then?" And that's mm-hmm. when the referee's like, "Whoa, <laughs> okay, this is not right." <laughs> it's it's look. It's she probably could have taken more, but why would you take more? And a very good referee stoppage because it was what we call a checkmate position. You're checkmate, and you and and just and sometimes they get in there and save the day, man. The refs got to go in there and save the day, man. They really yeah. got to go in there and save the day. Um, I think she's great for the UFC, and they need to get behind her and promote her as much as she can. That little dance that some people consider corny, I think is cute as hell. I think that dance is cute as hell, and she does that every time and follow with the 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 triple twist, the Demetrius Johnson thing, kind of you know whatever. Except Demetrius Johnson does it a little bit better. No disrespect mm-hmm. to Valentina, but this is someone you could get behind, man. Her English is really good. She she she's very very pretty. Uh, her in civilian clothes looks doesn't even look like an MMA fighter. She looks un- not recognizable, <laughs> you know, because you think kind of butch when you think her, you know, in the cage. And then you see her in civilian clothes. I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> Speaking of how you doing, um, for a woman that shaves her head, she's fine as hell too, man. Uh, uh, um, Doug Rose. Mm-hmm. Rose Nama units. Also good for the UFC. Get behind this girl, man. Get get her. You know, if she wants to raise money, if she wants to help kids, get behind her, man. That's good for the sport. You know, don't just get behind people that can knock people out. Kamara Usman. Minds his P's and Q's, man. He is a politically correct champion that has that is very much like Khabib and the, here's the comparison that you, you you'll agree with very much like Khabib that he was a decision machine until he became champion since he's become champion he's been knocking people out or finishing people Khabib Nurmagomedov was a de- decision machine until he became the champion since he's became the champion not one fight went to a decision finished Justin Gaethje in fact finished him in a way that he thought wouldn't hurt Gaethje that's how freaking good he was finished Conor McGregor finished um uh, I forget his his um a uh, Dustin Poirier rear naked choke so uh yeah d- these these are the guys you want to get behind before we go to the prelims who's next for tomorrow tomorrow man uh I, I, I'll I save you the time. Kobe Covington, man. I mean, yes, of course we want to see that. But it's funny that, you know, he even said it like he's just he's going to just lap people. You know, he's coming around. the He's coming around the uh, the track and he's just lapping people. He's always going to take lapping some Leon Edwards. Twice. Yeah, I want that Leon Edwards. Absolutely. I think he's is he fighting this weekend? Leon. I think he's fighting this weekend or next weekend. So, I mean, if he gets on the mic and says what he has to say. And if Kamara's taking time off to be with his daughter, let's have a true number one contender, right? I mean, Kobe is one and one since his title. Uh, he lost. He lost the title match, and then he beat Tyron Woodley via uh, head head into the into the ribs and cracked a rib. Um, very dominant performance. I, I mean, the guy can fight. I don't like him, and he ain't wearing that MAGA hat no more for reasons or reasons appropriate. But um. A very actually very much like a MAGA guy where he thought the the um the match was a was a rip off <laughs> the first one the stoppage was a rip off but right oh it's the early stoppage like you have and a the whole time jaw. he's like I broke your face <laughs> I yeah. broke your face I just we yeah. just need to hashtag that dude we just need to hashtag that Kobe Covington well deserved but if Leon Edwards gets on the mic he's a quiet dude but if he gets on the mic and has something to say after he wins I actually don't not see Dana saying, hey, these guys are both fresh. Kamara's going to be out to probably October. Maybe maybe make a fight in July. It's, it's April, dude. It's April. It's going to be May this week. Make a fight in July. Both of those guys are ready. Eight-week training camp, plenty of time, right? Dude, I mean. It's true. So, yeah, so prelims. 
from the early prelims where the, the, those women from from opening bells came in and looked like Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida just punching each other in the face, all the way to our man on the prelim main event, um, Cowboy Oliveira against Randy Brown. Randy Brown is that Jamaican that don't like that talk nonsense, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're both from New York, so we know there's two kinds of Jamaicans, Rob. There's a Jamaican that says, "Give me that," you know, "Give me that." They're like, "Do you want mustard?" No, wrap it up, wrap it up. I don't want no, no blood clatter, no bomba clap mustard, no, no. Or the other Jamaican says, "May I have?" That's the one that's got some etiquette. But those guys, that etiquette holds on by a thread. If you come, I, and I met enough cool um raised right by your mama jamaicans where if you if you if that have a little rude boy in them if you if you're rude to them and man he didn't say nothing he just made a mental note and everybody's like oh he shouldn't have like said f you after the match and i'm like no super necessary super necessary dude someone disrespects you like that and i was okay for them to do that but it's not okay for you to put a little sauce on them when you beat them no and you know me i don't like sore winners i don't like that but i don't like people you know, there is a there is a um a Schadenfreude in me that delights in people who 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 um you know, who come with that energy, who get what they deserve. So Absolutely. Thoughts about the match and how how it finished? He I mean the um, way he, he cracked him, dude. He cracked him and then got basically a one arm submission. He tucked the chin in. Did you see it? He his other oh, arm yeah. was isolated. He got it around the neck and instead the other he didn't have his free hand to lock it to do this or to do this. Oh yeah. Um, so he, he did just, this with his chin. He did this and then this with his chin. I was like, I've never seen that. Tapped. Yeah. While, while he's on his back, on while he's standing, you know, he's doing all this. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he was... Uh, the cowboy got written. Yeah. I mean, he was um, defend, I mean, beating him on his feet, you know, and then clearly he can handle himself on the ground, so... Dominant. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, it's pretty pretty great performance. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen Oliveira really fight that much, but um, I seen him recently. fight the other cowboy. I saw cowboy versus cowboy. That was a pretty good match. I saw him fight at one fifty five against um, Will Brooks, and that match didn't end well. But there was always some drama with him missing weight. Like I think he missed weight at one fifty five three times, and and he was three and zero in those fights where he missed weight so that kind of that kind of fighter as nice as you are kind of rubs me the wrong way i mean there's some stat out there i think like fighters are like 24 and 3 the fighters who missed weight are 24 and 3 yeah so, because they're not worrying about freaking cutting weight I mean, cutting weight is the worst possible thing you could ever you know endure but it's like 50 percent of your job <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> just show up show up on the scale and make weight yeah i i mean to some people they're willing to forfeit a third of their purse because if they know if they win, they still move up in the rankings. The rankings don't say you don't deserve to move up because you're misweight. You, 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 they, they, they just don't go that route. That's not how they go. So, but tell you what, though, how about forfeit forfeits of their purse? Mm -hmm. Dana gonna We're be still, like, pays to make weight. <laughs> Big up Still to Dana. First full capacity crowd. Jacksonville's a little wild, but I mean, that's what they promised. And and the people that don't that have a problem with it, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lean politically on this, but the people that don't feel they should be there, stay home, <laughs> you know. And the people that were there, man, just kind of stay amongst yourselves and, and maybe and maybe herd yourselves out. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Again, we're going to have a lot of that in quick question, but let's go to beach volleyball. We're going to beach volleyball for topic three because it is our wheel house. <laughs> Rob, topic three, beach volleyball. I bring your attention to Cancun, Mexico. Where am I? I'm supposed to be reading my prompter. All right. Cancun, Mexico, this is the second of three four-star um, events that happened over the weekend with the finalists and semi-finalists actually playing right now as we speak, as we're pre-recording this broadcast. Sharif and Ahmad out of Qatar will play in the finals against Mullen Sorum, which, I, which we both agree is the best team in the world, yes? Yeah. Um, yes. Um and Kolomina, Svetlana Kolomina will play Agatha and Duda, who have been on quite a tear. Sometimes Duda is like doo doo, and sometimes Duda is like dude. <laughs> ah! <laughs> April and Alex, they're playing for the bronze to get on to see if they can get on the podium. So, Rob, question 
and you are going to answer this question internationally. I am going to carry the water for us and answer the question domestically because you're an active player and, you know, I know it's uncomfortable for like other players to talk about other players, but, but, um, me, you know, I, I could deliver the tough love and still be respectful, um, as you can. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So the question is, let's go one at a time. There are three questions. Which teams played above expectations? Which teams played below expectations? Or which teams played exactly how we expected? I'd like to start first. The American teams that I felt played above expectations were Trevor Crabb and Triborn. They did lose in the second round. So I know they wanted to go further, and I know they're trying to play catch up with Phil and Nick. But with that being said, when you consider the pool they had, they had Lupo and Nikolai and Lupo in, the first, uh, in their pool. They had Krasilnikov and Stoyanovsky the first round. And then they have Mullen Sorum, which they lost back-to-back 21-19 games. You know, and I mean, they it was very, very important for them because they know, um, unlike some of the teams there, and I, sound, I don't want to be disrespectful, but they, unlike some of the teams, know in their heart of hearts they can win a four-star. They can win the whole thing. And I, 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 I suspect there's some teams that they're playing and they're like, you know what, we're not favored to win, but we'll do the best we can. No, try and Trevor... Uh, and I don't know if it's a chip on their shoulder, uh, you know, because tries tries kind of a cocky dude, but they believe that they can beat the best teams in the world, and they are out there showing it. And I love their mentality. They're like, there's no try, like Yoda says. You either do or do not. Um, highlighting Miles Evans and, and Bill Kalinsky, you know, didn't didn't make the qualifier, but country quota, big win. The tournament before, big up to my boys. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, came shock who plays in the wind like better probably better than anybody on the tour that man was like he embraced it i was like he looked like he's playing indoor <laughs> and of course theo brunner who um is ever as uh, a great partner for everybody very interchangeable in terms of giving up control or taking control so he's a great partner to have in that respect if you need him to take control or give up control and we'll talk about the uh the levels of control um later but rob who's your international who's who who performed above um well i mean you got to give it up to uh sharif and ahmad uh ahmed you know they're yeah they're i just think they're the, the most improved team of those uh, upper echelon or the olympic quali- olympic qualified teams um you know they're playing you know out of their mind you know the defender is just he's always been smooth but you know he's picking up just every ball and he's putting a lot of steam on it so jump serving great you know sharif they're running like a little bit faster tempo uh sharif's got all his swings down he's Jesus. still can't swing line the best but you know he's still you know he's just carving the angle shooting a little bit um yeah they look like a really really solid team that you know when olympics come around man they they could definitely be world beaters uh, you know be right in that metal metal conversation at the end of the day Nice. Yeah. And I love how they ran a play. They ran like a fake back set. And I had a highlight clip, which disappeared. They um, Sharif passed and then was moving as if he's going for a back set and stopped and went right back. And the blocker kept moving for the back set. He had nobody up. And and that ball, of course, he hit line. It was nobody up. So he put it in front of the defense. I love that. So which team do you think performed below um, what you expected them to do? Um, this one, I'm going to give you the floor first. And this is a challenge. Yeah, um, I think Nikolai and Lupo were probably expected to do better, but I don't know. I'm yeah, it. well, it's tough because you know it's a four star, but it's really, you know, it, it, you know has the top say it. of a five star. <laughs> it's a five. That's a de facto it's, it's a five star, but it has you know the the, the lower end, the lower end of the teams. You know, it could be you know a, a lower four star, maybe even a high three star. So there's like I feel like there's just like a large pool of teams and you see on the men's and the women's side so i, I wouldn't necessarily say anybody played uh you know be, like terribly um no nah. i would expect it more maybe out of uh, a couple of the brazilian teams um one seeing on how how well the women's teams did uh especially in like like this is their brazilian style of ball this is like perfect for them deep sand lots of wind you know uh, tough plays happening you know you got to adjust the ball a lot um not, not everything systematically um you know not every everything systematically done so i just think that uh i would have loved to have seen you know george and andre maybe perform a little better 
Um, uh, but it was nice to see uh, Alvaro and uh, and um, and Bruno, uh, not Bruno, uh, Alvaro and uh, yeah, oh, I can't remember his name Bruno. right now. Alisson in, oh, Alisson, yeah. in, uh, in that quarterfinals, um, pushing yeah. Mullen and Sorum to a pretty pretty tough game. You know, oh so. no, that was semis because I think they played. They, they just played for third. They just they played. They, they just played for third right now as we speak. In fact, while while we're while you're talking about all this, I was trying to see if I could pull it up. Um, Brazil versus Italy, bronze. Yep, they play for the bronze. And honestly, since we're doing this right now, I want to see if I can see who won. Let's let's see if we can find out who won. All right, so Brazil's up one set to zero. Yeah, Brazil pro won two up. Brazil won two up. Um, April and Alex are playing right. So so for me, my American team that performed below expectations, um, this might surprise people, and some people won't surprise at all. I got to go with April and Alex, okay? Alex Kleiman and April Ross, to me, are the best team in the world. If they're not the best team in the world, they're 1A, okay? It's been them in Canada for a long time, and Rebecca, and um, and um, who's Rebecca's partner again? Barbara? No, no, who is mm -hmm. No, Rebecca Patricia. and Anna, Patricia. Right, right. Um, they're world beaters on any given day, and even on their worst day, they're going to be in the playoffs, second round, third round, so I have them affectionately um, in third place. So for me, anytime Alex and April is not in the finals, winning or losing, particularly in the four-star tournament, which we kind of agree is, is a virtual five, considering the, 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 the talent. So they will say the same thing I'm saying now. If we're not in the finals, winning and losing, it was an underachievement. So consistent with their own, I'm not, I'm playing mind reader here and then maybe someone's going to be like, oh, don't, don't tell them what they're thinking. You can't read their mind. I can kind of read their mind on this. They have expectations to win the gold. They have expectations to finish strong and finish strong means winning these tournaments. So when they don't win and when they're not in the finals, um, they below, they perform below the expectations. And, and the, and the week before they making second round, dropping two to, um, the, the Australians, uh, was, uh, what anyone will call a disappointment from the fans to the coach all the way to the players. So not casting any aspersions on them. And um, and at the same time, I'm not being nice to make nice because you know me, I'm not, that's not how I'm built. You know, I'm not disrespectful, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like only say a bunch of nice things to try to get in someone's good graces because one, uh, I feel like I'm selling out too. I probably won't be in their graces anyway. I mean, they, they, right? I'm not. So <laughs> that's not how I operate. But sorry, enough about me. Below expectations, got to go with April and Alex. Um, now, which team or teams performed exactly how we expected them to? I'm going to go first on this one and you go second. All right. Um, as far as the American teams, <laughs> everybody else. <laughs> Everybody else, Clay's and Sponsor, right? They made the quarterfinals, which I knew if they performed lights out, that would be their maximum result in a tournament like this. On any any other four star, they might be in the finals, but we all agree this isn't like this isn't your your daddy's four star, okay? Um, who else? Um, uh, Stockman and Kalinsky, they performed exactly how I won. I thought I thought they'd split and pool and go to the playoffs this time. They didn't. This tournament, they didn't. Uh, Evans and Kalinsky, I knew they'd make the country quarter and I knew they were hit or miss as far as qualifying. If they got in, uh, uh, I mean, that's exactly where I thought they would be. Sarah Hughes, um, Emily Day um, qualifying, I didn't think they were going to qualify. That's exactly how I, thought I expected them to finish. And again, you know, for the players out there who are too sensitive, um, this is this is a volleyball podcast and and we got we to gotta talk about, you know, I'm not attacking players personally. I'm attacking volleyball players with volleyball, right? Um, I might have said something mean about April, uh, the way she performed in that second set. She got aced and got blocked a lot. And I said, oh, my God, this is horrible. And someone was like, oh, you're saying April played horrible, like she's responsible for losing this match? I'm like, no, during this on this stretch where you expected her to do better against a team that, that they were favored to beat, this, th there's this and that. So my answer as far as the American teams, the uh, ex uh, playing the way I expected them to play. Phil and Nick, yeah, I thought they'd make second round. Um and if they ran into Mullen Sorum, they, they would lose. Which, by the way, I thought was their best performance of the year. The first Cancun, the one that went to three sets, that was mm -hmm. that was as good as I, I've seen Phil and Nick play in two years, you know, which is a testament to not only how good they can still be, but a testament to how dominant Mullen Sorum are because that was Phil and Nick's best and it still wasn't enough. Um, 
Big up to Kerry Walsh, who overcame a bad call on a serve that was out that the refs called in against Patricia and Rebecca, still found a way to win. And I don't know the extent of Brooke Sweat's injury, but she wound up taking balls on the ground, just down balls, or Kerry kept optioning, and Kerry just looked gassed from trying to option. Um, so don't know what her injury is, but that could be qualify shattering if she can't go next week or or, or can't go whatever her injury is. So, Rob, internationally, who performed, uh, highlight one or two teams that performed exactly how you thought they would. Uh, real quick, though, did you say that she got injured or that she, just because she was optioning, like she was just trying to shove the ball to No, to she was optioning because she couldn't jump or wouldn't jump. That's all I know. Oh, really? All I know is whenever there was a ball out of system, Kerry set her, she couldn't jump. She stayed on the ground and tried to down ball, tried to just like hard drive or whatever, and this and that. And everything else that was in system, Kerry was option, which worked for a little bit. But I mean, after a while, it started to look like a drill, like an endurance drill. <laughs> I got to go back and watch that because, yeah. man, I, I must have missed that because I watched a bunch of their, their games. Yeah, it was against the Chinese. Um, yeah, internationally, who did I think stayed, uh, you know, stayed the course? I mean, honestly, I was really surprised with, um, you know, kind of how bad the showings were for the European teams. Um, again, like we were saying, like, I, I thought the Brazilian team should have probably showed out better. But, um, you know, everybody's got different things going on with COVID. And, you know, Brazil is not the best place right now when it comes to uh, COVID and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I just uh, I was pretty surprised. I say overall in the tournament, even in the first Cancun, how uh, difficult it was for people to really adjust, um, whether it's just the type of training, you know, whether it's that every single event is basically never on a beach, you know, uh, it's either in Qatar uh, or it's in, you know, Germany or it's in uh, Poland or it's in, you know, it's like Cancun, one of the most beautiful stretches of beach I honestly, half the time I was watching the games, I would just have the games on on the TV because it was so beautiful. So, uh, yeah, it was one of the most best venues I've seen in a very long time. Um, Did you see yeah, those waves, dude? The waves, the wind, you know, so gnarly, all of it. Yeah. But my man, that was just like a crazy, crazy, crazy trip. Yeah. For me, I got to defend the players on this one because sometimes when the fans, because those guys on YouTube posting, some of those guys are just off the page, like the YouTube chat or whatever, um, which the event was ex pretty much exclusively on YouTube. Some of them are like, oh, man, these windy conditions are really messing with her game. Oh, oh this. Oh, it's really, really hot. Oh, they, you know, they only lost because they're tired. And I don't like that because it looks like that the players are saying that. And I'm going to defend the players. The players are not saying that. The players who are training in the U.S., who train in deep sand, who train in these windy conditions, who are supposed to be prepared for this, are not the ones making those excuses. They don't They don't make those excuses. And if they did make those excuses, they, I'd be on this podcast right now giving them tough love saying i don't want to hear that nonsense right you guys practice in deep sand you guys practice in, in windy conditions you guys enlist the best coaches that you can find okay and if you're going to walk around with a chip on your shoulder then you got to get you got to get out there and represent and back it up so so but the, the players were not saying that and the players were not doing that but um for the fans that are saying this i will say this it's not like when Phil and Nick served across the net, the wind stopped blowing for Mullen Sorum. <laughs> right? right? It's not like not like the wind was calm for them, and then when they hit it, the wind picked up again. It's not like um, uh, the Russians call Amina and her partner have air conditioners stuck up their 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 posteriors where they where they where they they have this cooling thing to cool their behinds, and everybody else is like dehydrating really fast from the humidity. So, I will say the conditions. For the fans uh, who who are posting that nonsense, the conditions were the same for all four competitors, and that's why I don't I don't I don't tolerate that excuse uh, of BS. Okay, in fact, some of these games, the conditions, those conditions should actually give the Americans a better shot at winning. Right? Think about yeah. it. Like the best player that played with the, in the under those windy conditions and the hot conditions was Kame Shaw. 
He's the elephant in the room because that dude had energy from bell to bell. And there were some players, Qatar, you know, they, they, they looked a little gas at the end, but they have a second win and they look, they look great. They're not carrying a lot of weight too, right? Because so, muscles need oxygen. But I do not, I, I get really, really upset, you know? And again, I'm not defending the players to, to be in their good graces because that's not how I roll. You know, I, I, I don't want, I'm not saying that. Um, because again, they don't make excuses. They, they will be the first to say, hey, all four of us played under the same conditions. But for anyone to even suggest that someone lost because of those conditions, when I think, in my opinion, those conditions uh, help them win, help them beat, might help them beat a team that they're not favored to beat, is, unaccept is, is unacceptable. And I wanted to get that off my chest for, because this is a fan-driven podcast and a lot of professionals do listen to this. You know, I can highlight, you know, anyone whose last name is Crab, anyone, you know, anyone whose first name is Emily or, or anyone whose first name is Kelly, except for maybe one. Um, right. Cool. But just to piggyback please. on that, like, you know, and to bring it to reality, like, we do have the opportunity right here where we're sitting, where all these guys train at. We do have the opportunity 12 months out of the year, 365 days out of the year to go out there and it not be snowing, it not be so cold that you could actually get sick. You know what I mean? Like you have the opportunity to get out there each and every day and oh, you need wind, go out at 3.30. You know, this, this is why I have to agree with you because there is every opportunity to be a world beater in your skills at, in this area because you have everything you could possibly need to be better at beach volleyball. You know, that's why here it is, in, in a sense, the mecca of beach volleyball for American volleyball because you have everything you could possibly need to succeed here. You, know, you have the weather conditions, you have a deep sand, you have nets galore, you, know, you have talent. Uh, so there really is always a missing link. You, you, they're recruiting good coaches, through. right? They're right. recruiting good coaches from all over. I mean, right. hell, I'll do it. I'm, I'm, you know, right? And for every, I mean, no, because I got a lot of blowback by people making illogical arguments. Oh, you, you can't say that person played poorly. Oh, you can't. Or, or, or have you ever played? That's that's my my least favorite one. Like, like you have to be a chef to know if a taste tastes like if steak tastes like shit. Come on, get out of here, okay? But to answer that question, yes, I have played. And, and without getting into my long resume, the last two, two years alone, the, since 2018, I helped one team win an AVP title in San Francisco. One player, that is. I helped one team get into the qualifier who tried seven times who couldn't. And I helped a coach, a, a, a head coach, win the w, WCC titles. So, I mean, as far as me being in the game and knowing the game, I think my resume speaks for itself. And I didn't, and I feel uncomfortable even selling that. In fact, my wife is going to smash me for even talking about myself. She hates when I do that. You know, I hate when I do that. And you hate when I do that too, so I apologize. All right. Um, um, I was trying to find out who won FUDS and no one would tell me, but I'm like, okay, no one wants to tell me who FUDS? Who won FUDS? Fine, bye. We ain't going to talk about it. But of course, my boy Evan Corey phoned in. Um, I didn't, I didn't, to interview him i'm not gonna bother him every week for christ's sakes um he won with travis muirwitter um jd hamilton who's america's uh everyone's favorite nice guy and um i don't know who the outside hitter is but this dude they just kept feeding him high fours and he cody was, caldwell cody caldwell that's who his name is. He is a beast. Cody, man, come see me. Come on this podcast, dude, because I want, I want to know who you are, and I think the fans nationwide need to know who you are. I mean, I'm not saying no one doesn't. I mean, because if they don't know, now you know. <laughs> but um, for people who want to go on YouTube and watch, watch a match for FUDS, FUDS is four on four, and it was in Florida. It's men's, and it's really, really – I mean, I haven't seen anything this good since Central Park fours when, when it was just hard top before they put the beach courts up where those Dominicans and Russians would just, and would just go at each other. Um, Watch the semifinal. It's yes, better. that was it. That was what I was going to say. I bring your attention to the semifinals, which was one of the, the best matches ever, right? It was Rosie, Sean Rosenthal, Jeff Samuels. Um, you had Ed Ratledge, his little Ed gang, Ratledge, gangly yeah. self hitting Napo. Uh, David Lee hitting the middle. Ian, Ian Satterfield is like a, <laughs> I don't know, a backup. I don't know. So, so, Congratulations to our FUDS winners. And thank you guys for, for sharing your information with me because if you share, well, I'll talk about it. But if I, I got to come looking for you and you don't message me back, like Flavor Flav says, can't do nothing for you, man. <laughs> Running for your life. Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh, 
man, did we take a long time to talk about that. But big tournament, look, super necessary. You agree? Absolutely. Cool. Well, now that we talked about that, let's talk about our next subject matter. My personal favorite, ladies and gentlemen, I give you to shame or not to shame. 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 Okay, let's see. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do my switch and pause. Sorry, Robbie. What the hell? Let's do that. Oh, look at this. This is what happens when you tech your own show, boys. <laughs> Rob, I saved this. I pushed this back a week because it pissed me off and I got and I'm I'm, I'm I guess I'm in a shaming mood today. So Rob, to shame or not to shame? We're gonna do a whole minute on this a piece. To shame or not to shame, Jeremy Stevens at the weigh-in pushes Jakar close. A day later, he has some kind of undisclosed injury and winds up hospitalized. Um, maybe it had something to do with the push. A lot of people thought the, the shove was connected to it. It's something to do with his left shoulder and this and that. But bottom line, Rob, shame or no shame on Jeremy Stevens or shame on, on close. No, absolutely shame on Stevens uh, because, you know, you're not in a fight. You're not in a ring. You know, you're literally just squaring off. And, you know, that's literally, you know, grade school stuff. You're like, what, you're going to push the guy? What does that do? You know, and so it's my problem with, with, with what Jeremy Stevens has been his whole MMA career is that he's never evolved. He's still been the same small guy who's going to try to knock you out with every power shot every single time. And he has no control and discipline over his emotions. He's just, you know, uh, honestly, I feel like he puts a bad name on the sport. And I think this is a culmination of the things that he does because you know, I'm not trying to be hard on him, but, you know, he never really speaks highly of anybody else. He's always trying to, you know, you know, put somebody's bad, like a bad name on somebody else. And, you know, he really doesn't show out. You know, if he went out and knocked out a couple of people, anybody of, of note, I'd be like, okay, you can just do what you want to do. But, you know, if you're not good, you can't do this stuff. So shame on you. Rob McLean. A few years ago when Conor McGregor asked, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> That's what the hell Conor was talking about. This is mm -hmm. a guy who is physically aggressive, huge, huge primal first chakra issues, like imploded first, where this man feels like right and wrong, the differences between right and wrong can be settled physically. And with that being said, it really pisses me off because Jeremy Stevens, you are in the one profession, if you have a problem with someone and you want to settle your difference settle, settle your differences physically, you are in the one profession where you are licensed to do so. And what do you do? You blow it by pushing this guy and you want to call call him a wuss or whatever for backing out of the fight you caused this you incited this incident all you had to do was not touch him if you have a problem with him you could touch him up the next day when you are licensed to shame on you shame on you shame a fool jeremy stevens for doing that and you got your show purse for that shame 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 ah all right now i'm back now, listen, I saved that for a week because I had to get that off my chest, and I know a lot of people agree with me. Uh, we got some UFC events coming this weekend, but we're, I'm going to push that back to next week because Bellator has some big stuff coming May 7th. Rumble Johnson's going to fight Yoel Romero. Man, it's going to be... I actually had a picture of the brackets, all right? And I'm going to save that for the end of this topic, which is coming up next. This topic is... Quick question. Quick question. Rob, quick question. Hmm. Wrong page. <laughs> Rob, quick question. <laughs> Fields. Justin Fields can fall to number five. Do you have a problem with him going to number five instead of three? Uh, well, he ain't going to the Bengals unless somebody trades back. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I understand he's got a hitch in his throat. Uh, he's going to – he's good. He's a project. So, yeah, he's going to go after, after Mac Jones. I don't have a problem with it either. I mean – 
honestly, I didn't even think this, this was a quarterback-driven draft. I, I knew Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one, but I didn't think Mac Jones is going to climb up there, and I didn't think Justin Fields was. I'm like, why don't you guys draft, draft an offensive line? I know you don't want to draft a running back the first round because you think they're kind of expendable, but geez. I mean, uh, the guy from Alabama, his name escapes me. He's, he would have been a higher draft than any, either quarterback, Jones or, Jones or Fields. So, Rob, quick question. Can Miami be a spoiler in one of the rounds in the playoffs? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I say yes. Two, um, quick question. Jordan set to induct Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, thumbs sideways. Uh, I mean, I know it was like a big thing for, <laughs> for, for Kobe. It would probably be a big thing for him, but why not his family? Hmm. I agree. I agree. But and maybe it was put out there and they said it's too much, so. Who knows? Well, I think the rare occasion, I, I say thumbs up because it's the rare occasion Jordan shows his face in public where he has something to say. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's kept his life very, very private, politically, socially, and whatnot. And and um, I don't know if it's a Jay and Silent Bob thing. Oh, wow, Silent Bob decides to speak. It's probably going to be wisdom. That's bullshit, you know. But, but um, no, nah, I go thumbs up on this. Um, quick question. The Nets have... Only 10 games thus far with their core three. Is this enough to win the Eastern Conference? No, it's not. That's what I was talking about before. If you don't have chemistry, real teams are going to beat you, yeah. you know, because it's seven games. So you start to have things show up, and then people start to get tired, and then people start to get upset. We'll see. I say yes. I think it's enough to get to win the Eastern Conference. Um, quick question. Don't know if you saw this a week ago because Belcher's not really under our radar. Homasi versus Daly. Uh, Paul Daly, striker no, against so. Homasi. I'm going to skip it, but I'm going to say best round of the year, best first round of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that a, a couple of weeks after Bellator um, continues to cover their title elimination, their Grand Prix for light heavyweights. All right. Uh, quick question. Aaron Donald is free and clear of assault. The guy said it was a mistaken identity. He and his, his attorney apologized. The question is, I, I don't even think there is a question. Should, should this information, should people, should the court of public opinion wait on some things like this? Who in the hell had a mistaken identity for a freaking NFL defensive lineman? Who is that guy? <laughs> because, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Don was 6'3", 285. Who in the hell is 6'3", 285 that you accidentally say that it was assault? Like, I don't know, man. And who got, whoever got assaulted that's still alive, yeah. good on you. So well, the, no shame, just yeah. absolute wonder. <laughs> well, the video showed, they actually had video coverage of it, and video showed he was there breaking up the fight. And, oh um, my goodness! And in the beginning, yeah, the guy, the guy, in the beginning, the guy poked at Aaron Donald's shoulder. You know how you like jab a finger in someone's shoulder? The guy jabbed Aaron Donald earlier on in that night in the shoulder, and Aaron Donald turned around like smiling because he thought it was a friend. And when he's finding it wasn't, it was like, oh, whoa, who's this guy? And then you know, so maybe they thought that he came back at him from a different level, but but it never happened. Video evidence, and I'm glad there's a video evidence because you know that's 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 BS. And we know nothing good happens after. When it comes to elite athletes, nothing good happens after 1.30 in the morning. So, you know, just saying, bring a friend and have tons of video. Um, quick question. Alex Smith retires. Smart move or, do you, do you, or did you see him having a year or two more? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if I say a year or two more, then it's like he's got to go to a new team. He's got to learn a new offense. And he's got to succeed, you know. And he's got to not get hit. You know, that's why would a team need a quarterback? It's not because they have a great offensive line for them to put somebody behind. So uh, I just think it's probably the smart thing. Again, he does the smart thing. And, you know, he's still getting money, so it really don't matter. You're right. Oof. Quick question, Rob. Uh, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Was this, was this scheduled to be a loser-leave-town match? I mean, yeah, loser I mean, gets, I loser was, gets cut. I think it's more of a, you know, if, if Uriah really won the fight or really lost, like if it was a good fight, he probably would have retired. Um, and then Weidman, I think it was more of a, you know, earn your keep kind of situation. But now I think they're both kind of in, in limbo, you know, where you've got a, 
a wide man who's coming back from injury? Do you cut him before he gets healthy? And then you have uh, Uriah Hall. Do you set it up another fight? You know, or is this kind of <laughs> my chair sank? <laughs> so I um, thought it was originally going to be a loser leaves town match, but I think this gruesome injury probably gives them both a one off. Um, and I had pictures of it, and I'll probably show it on the edit. But the picture, the the actual kick, I mean. Tell me every single person watching this match, even the most casual fan, wasn't thinking Anderson Silva. You know, for the people listening, this is a gruesome injury with a leg. If if you look at the slow motion of the still shot, his leg was caricaturally bent sideways. Um, very uh, similar. Very there. similar that happened to a fighter named Anderson Silva a few years ago. Ironically enough, against Chris Weidman. Yeah. Gross, you know, right? I got to say, though, and I wish there was like a, you know, strength of schedule or, you know, strength of opponent for, uh, for what's it called, um, you know, for like somebody's career. Uh, because I feel like Chris Weidman has had one of the toughest journeys in a UFC fighter has ever had. 100%. You know, every single time you see him fight, it's against some high level upper name, you know, upper echelon. In opponent. their prime. He, in their prime, he goes to a different division. He's fighting one of the toughest guys in the division. So, uh, yeah, really, I would love to, you know, find out if there's numbers on ranking people and then see who they fought as ranked fighters at that time and uh, yeah. who had the toughest. Because I feel like Chris Weiber, man, he's had a tough stretch through his whole career. Mark Munoz. So I hope they keep him on. Yeah, Mark Munoz was his prime. Anderson Silva was his prime. Um, uh, Loyola Machida, five-round war. That was his prime. Vitor Belfort, that was jacked Vitor. Okay, that was TRT right. Vitor. Um, yeah, Jacare, a match he was winning, he lost. Uh, Yo Romero, when he got caught with that ugly knee, that was a match I thought he was up two rounds to zero, or, two, or maybe one apiece. So it was, like, it was weird because it's not like he's getting smoked these matches. He's, these are matches that he's winning. The only one I thought he really got legit murked was um, against um, Rockhold, you know? And, um, and our guy that went to Bellator, our, our, um, God, I forget this guy, Musasi. Gegar Musasi, who's like an actual, an, an absolute savage. Quick question, who wins... For beach volleyball, who wins the WCCs? I'm going to go um, LMU because right now they're ranked number five. I think they beat Pepperdine in the finals. Pac-10, I think USC beats UCLA again. I think both teams get invited. And for the Big West, I go Long Beach State. And for the South and the East, I go Florida State. And I go um, LSU, who's a problem. <laughs> Thoughts? Man, that's all you have. I don't it. know no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a look at the indoor brackets for men that are happening this weekend. Um, Penn State's got a playing game against Belmont Abbey. I think we both had Penn State winning that. I think Lewis beats Penn State. I think Santa Barbara beats Pepperdine. I think Hawaii beats Santa Barbara. I think Lewis upsets BYU, and I think B- I think Lewis upsets Hawaii. Cool. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting little, yep. interesting little bracket. Last question for a quick question. With John Jones and Cormier no longer in the high, high, light heavyweight division, Cormier retired. John Jones, um, obviously moving up to heavyweight. Does Bellator have the more more elite light heavyweights? I gotta. I'll go first. I gotta go. Yes. You got Romero. You got Bader. You got um. Anthony Johnson, you got this Russian cat who who defeated Phil Davis, um, who's all you know. Phil Davis is all, also I, like, I just named you five guys that would be in the top ten at light at light with Rumble Johnson only losing to Cormier twice, you know. So I gotta go. Yes. I mean, I'll make it quick, but I, I I'm just gonna have to say no, just because uh, you know UFC has really got the pick of the litter, and I know you know these guys. Would they or would they not win a fight? Yeah, it'll be close. But when you go down the list, you know, I think mm-hmm. uh, it, it would thin out a lot more for Bellator right. as it would for UFC. Um, but, yeah, when we're talking about top top of the list um, talent, I think that, yeah, especially because the UFC, you know, just kind of, yeah. um, you know, took off, took, took these guys off the, uh, off the roster. Um, but for the next couple of years, yeah, for those, those like top five, let's say, for each – uh, for UFC and for Bellator, you know, I'd probably say the top five would beat you know, Bellator, would beat UFC. But 
go to top 15, you know, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. No, nah, I agree. Top 15 is uh, probably isn't even close. Um, but I, I brought it up because it's, you haven't seen anything like this since the heavyweights when the heavyweights were in strike force, right? Like six of the top 10 heavyweights were in strike force. Right. I mean, you had Cain Velasquez and JDS probably heading up the top or scraping the top, but uh, TRT Alistair Overeem, you know, Fabrice Verdum, you know, like it, it was pretty deep. You know, Bigfoot Silva was in his prime back then, Fedor. So, um, yeah, so that's it for quick question. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, longer podcast today. I apologize, but volleyball, Cancun, catching up a whole week, super necessary. Before we go, I want to give a shout out to Seydou Ajanako. Seydou Ajanako is Ghani, is born in Ghana, West Africa. Re- somehow rose up the volleyball ranks there, got recruited to play at Park University, uh, transferred to Cal Baptist, where he was a two-time and a repeat NAIA champion and basically held every record, which has been broken by another guy, but him and his cousin Shamdu Rex Rex Shop. And Cal Baptist had an NCAA schedule and an NAIA schedule. So everyone that played in the time period between 2003 and 2006 knows damn well who this guy is. Couldn't play AVP. It's not a domestic player, but ran rough shot in every single tournament he could. Finished second and third at the Pottstown Rumble with Mike Salick. Um, East End Volleyball um, was always in the finals winning, always in the finals losing. And now he's back home coaching indoor boys volleyball and coaching indoor adult and coaching beach. Just trying to raise awareness for not just Ghanese African players, but for the Af- for the continent of Africa. Just trying to just just, just trying to show the world scene, FIVB. And um and the recruiting scene for NCAA that Africa has some talent. And dude, I saw them play and he is right. They are just I mean, I don't have enough words. Um so Seydu Ajinako, I had a love hate relationship with you for a long time. You've been quite the man child when you don't get your way. But at the end of the day, man, when it comes to representing, when it comes to keeping your promises, and when it comes to doing the right thing for the sport of volleyball and for your team, got to give you a thumbs up. Um, let's do this. Let's see if I could see if I could blow this up. I can't. Ah, there it is. <laughs> that ball's outside the antenna. I picked the wrong highlight. <laughs> give me a break. But look at the size. Look at the athleticism. These guys are all in shape. Um, big up to Seydu, man. Robbie. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I was going to say, you, you got to uh, figure out how um, how everything is going out there with him and COVID. Yes. Um, and see like, how that response is going with him and then how, like, how volleyball has been out there with COVID. So I'm interested. Yeah, man. I was derelict in my duty to ask that. I talked to the guy for an hour and 20 minutes. And the one question that you asked is the one question I should have slipped in between all of that. So, Rob, you got me on your shame or no shame list, all right? So... Man, God bless you for that. And <laughs> hey, he's, you're right. You got me. I, I can't believe, can't believe I didn't ask that. I mean, as far as affording to to manage a pandemic and vaccines and their situation, um, maybe I'll reach out to him later on. Maybe we'll talk about that. You know, off the record and this and that. And, all right. Definitely. So, anything you want to say before we leave our our audience for this episode, Rob? Stay safe. Stay happy, y'all. Stay safe, stay happy. That is love from Rob. Keep it McLean, McLean. I think I got love for you guys too today. So for all of you at home, for all of you on the lunch line, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your desktop, for all of you on your droid, for Rob, keep it McLean. McLean, this is episode 63 of Sports Debate Tuesday. I am Jason DeBellis. My brother, we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.